Hey, welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name's uh, Jeremy Bernstein. I'm a uh, freelance writer and uh, game designer working in both film and television industry as well as obviously the uh, game industry in a variety of different projects from uh, AAA titles to much more independent uh, uh, and serious fare. Okay. And, you know, you gave an interesting talk at a GDC Online in Austin, Texas uh, on narrative mechanics. Can you, can you discuss what narrative mechanics are? Uh, sure. So what I think of as narrative mechanics, um, it, it sort of grows out of an area I've done a lot of work in, which is the area of serious games. Uh, and serious games, for anyone who doesn't know, are sort of like the documentary wing of, uh, of the games industry. That's how I like to think of them. They're games with a... Uh, educational or socially motivated uh, uh, purpose. Um, and one of the things we talk about in serious games, with learning games, is that you create really good learning games, good experiential learning, when your game mechanics mirror um, your learning objectives, right? Everybody's seen games like Math Invaders where you just slap some kind of learning content on top of pre-existing <laughs> mechanics. But those games don't make for good learning experiences. In order to really get good learning, you need to create new mechanics that mirror, that really fit with what you're trying to teach. Uh, so this is a, a considered a best practice in uh, in making serious games. Uh, and you know that sort of reasoning got me thinking about entertainment games and and the ways that. Uh, entertainment games create emotion, and usually we sort of rely on the trappings of Hollywood, on dialogue, on scenes, on cutscenes, and so on and so forth. But um, what this got me thinking is sort of, you know, if we can use emotions, if, if, if mechanics can mirror a learning objective, right, yeah. what if we create mechanics that mirror an emotional experience, and therefore create emotion not through the story, not through the, the scenes and the dialogue and all that stuff, but trying to create emotion through the mechanics themselves. Um, and so that's what I call narrative mechanics, and uh, I think it's a really interesting uh, technique of using, of, of, of telling stories, I guess, really, in games. Yeah, and can you give an example, then, of, um, of a game that, you know, uses this mechanism of narrative mechanics or how narrative mechanics would be applied to a specific game so the audience can have a clearer sense of how this would be used? Uh, sure. Um, so uh, my, my personal favorite example, you know, I, I talk about it for like 20 minutes in my talk, is um, it's actually the Battlestar Galactica board game, which is based on the, the television series, which anyone who's seen the show knows is a very heavy, very emotional experience. Uh, and the, the mechanics of this game are just, you know, built pretty much across the board um, to replicate that, uh, that emotional experience. Um, I'm not going to go on for 20 minutes about that here. But yeah. uh, but I highly recommend the game. It's a lot of fun uh, in a sort of soul-crushing way, much like the television series. Um, but I guess in, uh, uh, in electronic games, um, I think to me one of the, the best examples um, uh, would probably be, uh, I like Dead Space. Uh, the first Dead Space game, I think, does a does a great job. I mean, they do a great job across the board in that game of creating a uh, a frightening experience. Um, you know, through the art direction, through the visuals, through the enemy design, through the story. You know, there are a lot of techniques that they do. But one of the experiences that I had playing the game, which I thought was really profound, um, I've played a bunch of games uh, that use very similar mechanics to, to Dead Space before. Gears of War comes to mind as a, as a particular one. You know, where you you have to hold down the uh, the right trigger. I think it is. Uh, you hold down the right trigger in order to raise your weapon. Okay. 
uh, and then you pull the other trigger in order to fire it, right? And yeah. so the mechanics leave you in a position where you have to take action to raise that weapon up, right? Unlike, yeah. say, Halo, where your weapon is always ready, in Dead Space, you have to take action, pull that trigger in order to bring the weapon to bear, which is what it's like in real life, right? If you're actually walking through a spaceship that's full of zombies with a gun, if you don't keep that gun up, you can't shoot it. Um, and one of the things that I found, I was having tremendous tension in my finger from keeping that trigger squeezed so tight to keep that gun up. Um, that mechanic created this additional sense of tension in me, you know, on a whole new level from, from what I would experience if I were just watching, you know, a scary movie. If I were just watching Aliens, I wouldn't be feeling that same physical tension. Okay. Uh, so there's a mechanic right there that, that creates an emotional experience uh, in the player. So, so would you say then it's pretty much, you know, taking a real world experience or a specific experience and just trying to figure out a way where players are just kind of simulating, you know, that like, so that, I mean, that contrast with the math blaster where it's just literally just taking math and there's really no story integration in it. Like I'm trying to clarify exactly how a designer would go about using these mechanics to, uh, narrative mechanics to make a more effective game or a more compelling game. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing that I like to do when I'm working on something is, you know, as a, as a game designer, you're asking the question, what does the player do? Yeah. Right? And then the next step to that, to me, is to say, how do I want the player to feel? Um, it's not just narrative, uh, sorry, it's not just game design, it's, it's experience design. Um, okay. Do I want them to be excited? Do I want them to be tense? Do I want them to be scared? Do I want them to... Uh, you know, do, do I want this to be difficult? Do I want them to feel exertion or, or exhaustion or hope or, or whatever? And then the question is, well, how can I create that sensation with the tools at my command, which typically is, you know, your, your standard two-stick controller? Okay. And, and then, so a designer would say maybe at certain parts of the game, how do they want to convey a certain emotion or an experience? And then that's when they would apply these and then they would figure out how they can do that using these narrative mechanics. Yeah, I mean, the first question is, what's the sensation I'm trying to evoke? And the next question is, how do I go about doing that? Okay. Um, um, now, you mentioned controllers, but what about, you know, how does this relate to, um, you know, building, like, multiplayer? Um, I mean, are there, are there certain emotions or certain feelings or experiences that you can only get by, you know, doing multiplayer design or other kind of... Um, not really like controller-based type of, or something that's, that transcends more than a controller. I mean, is that something that you've explored yet, or is that still evolving in your um, current understanding of narrative mechanics? Well, there's, there's a couple of, of elements to this, right? First off, there's the whole motion control revolution, right? And I think yeah. that, you know, to me, the reason why Wii Sports has remained as popular a game as it has since the launch of the Wii you know, is because it, it makes you feel like you're playing tennis. It makes you feel like you're bowling. It gives you that exertion, that, that sense of emotion uh, that, you know, when you, I mean, I've, I've seen people dive across the living room in order to try and hit a, ten, a, you know, a virtual tennis ball, yeah. you know, and, and there's, that's the fun of it, right, is not only doing it, but watching other people do it. it. It recreates that sensation. So I think that motion control adds a whole new dimension to this kind of thing. Like, right, Rock Band is a great example, right? Rock Band is okay. awesome playing the little guitar thing, right? If you were just pressing the, you know, A, B, X, Y buttons on a standard Xbox controller to play Rock Band, it would be lame. 
Yeah. So there's there's some element to you know to the motion control to the replication of real uh, actions that makes them that much more fun. So that's sort of one element to it. Um, and the you know I'm still waiting to see what happens with Move, what happens with Connect. How is this really going to change the 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 face of uh, of, of how we make games, is it going to change the face of how we make games, or are they going to basically, you know, remain sort of toys for casual players, uh, and most of the serious gaming is going to stick on the on the dual sticks? I don't know. Um, you know, the other element we're talking about about multiplayer. You know, I mean, I don't know what is and what isn't possible. I know what people have done. I know what works for me, and mileage always varies on a lot of these things. Yeah. Um. um so I mean, so I, this is. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think that multiplayer has a lot of of opportunities to create some very intense emotional experiences. Um, you know, because of the fact that you're actually interacting with other people. I mean, Left for Dead, multiplayer Left for Dead is vastly superior, I think, to uh, to, to single player. Okay. Um, you know, and, so, and the difference there is that you're playing with other people as opposed to playing with an AI. Um, and Left 4 Dead actually has some great narrative mechanics in it. I love the enemy design in Left 4 Dead. It's so the whole game is designed to make you feel independent or interdependent. Excuse me. Um, uh, you know, so that's a that's a great example. And in multiplayer, it just becomes very much enhanced because uh, you're actually relying on people. You're not relying on the system to 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 save you when you get into trouble. Okay. So so a game designer would should probably should first ask what's the experience they're trying to communicate. What's the experience or the emotion and then they figure out you know visuals um mechanics and even and it's interesting because you brought up rock band so even maybe the controller itself um it's just communicating part of that experience like um i mean i think that i think that one of the places that games one of the places that games fall down and i think hollywood is much better at it than than the games industry is is so far is creating a cohesive emotional whole yeah. Um, most of the time, we focus on creating a cohesive gameplay whole, right? Art, art is is focused on um, it's focused on you know sort of level design. Which way do I go? And you know, can I can I see all the things that are important? Does it stand out just enough that it sort of catches the eye, but not so much that it's obvious? And you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then that's all good. Don't get me wrong. That's all very important. Um, but you know. Don't I think get as much of everybody from the game designers to the art directors to the writers who usually aren't even involved in the process early on? You don't get everybody talking about the emotional experience um, okay. in in the same way. At least not often. It happens, um, okay. but it doesn't happen often enough. And you know, in the examples you gave in the talk, it was it was mainly um, mechanics that kind of convey somewhat negative emotions, you know, like helplessness or fear or stuff like that. And then I think you mentioned that um, someone, some other people brought up some other interesting types of mechanics that can communicate more positive emotions. Have you explored that since the talk? Um, you know, some of the things you mentioned were building, um, building mechanics or, I mean, are there any other explorations on ways to reach positive emotions versus the negative emotions that you mentioned in the talk? Um... I'm sure there are. Um, I haven't had a chance to explore too many of them. You know, I mean, Minecraft has really taken off since yeah. uh, since then, and I think there is an interesting one. You know, part of the problem is you look at most multiplayer games 
are still about either shooting your friend in the face, um, which is fine, I mean, in a game. Sure. Um, uh, uh, that or, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to get reamed for the statement because it's <laughs> ridiculous, but it's most multiplayer games out there are either, you know, shooting people in the face or they're like Facebook games, which aren't really interactive games at all. Okay. Um, you know, there aren't a whole lot of examples of really good multiplayer with interesting in interactions. A lot of MMOs, um, you know, I think the, the sort of team sense that can be built in a good guild I yeah. think is a really good example, um, and and you know I know Warcraft, World of Warcraft has some great combats that really require very good, very close knit teamwork, um, okay. or you're just going to get get yourself reamed. And I think those are really interesting examples. Yeah, and that um, and that teamwork um, affords the opportunity for more interesting narrative mechanics too, uh, if it's done right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, and I'll tell you when you know one of the interesting things when you talk about Facebook games, um, Frontierville. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a really interesting Facebook game because it does have some level of story to it. It's mission based, um, and there's sort of a you know a, a building a family on the frontier, you know, getting yeah. a wife. So, and, so in a way, that's an application of narrative mechanics because the story is kind of integrated into the gameplay to an extent. If I'm if I'm understanding things correctly, um, the story. Well, I mean, the the, the mission design is usually to some extent story design okay. um, but it's not emotional design okay um, gotcha you know, so it would have to be one step further so a designer yeah. who's say working on Frontierville when they're designing a quest not only would they have to say what the story is going to be they should start from the first concept of what's the emotion they want to communicate mm -hmm. okay I, I'm just trying to clarify um, how they how a designer would then use narrative mechanics in um, Say for designing Frontierville or something else like that. Well, let's. I mean, let's let's take let's take the example of, of Frontierville and, and sort of you know not to not to second guess what they've what they've done over there what their purpose sure. is. But I think it's it's really interesting to me when it's like you know okay I'm out here on the frontier and oh look I can bring my girlfriend out yeah. and we can get married <laughs> right now that's something that I want to do because that's you know what what people want sure. um, and so. You know, to me as a designer, I'd say, all right, what's that experience feel like? That experience of I'm trying to earn enough money so that I can bring my partner out here, you know, so that we can be together. Yeah. Um, you know, there's 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 hope. There's yeah, there's um, hopefulness. Yeah. Yeah, hopefulness. There's uh, some degree of urgency. Um, maybe some nervousness. Okay. You know, is it all going to go well? Um, and so, you know, what is so that that's what I would do next is sort of take those. What's the emotional experience of that? Anticipation, I think, is the right word. If I'm going to sum it up into yeah. one, it's anticipation. Um, you know, and so then the question becomes, all right, how do I create missions that lead to that where the mechanics, you know, the, the going around what you're clicking, what you're doing, leads to a sense of anticipation? Okay. So, um, does and it make sense to have a, a mission where you have to pick, pick wildflowers yeah. or have a bouquet? You know, go around and find little flowers and pick. I mean, you know, maybe that helps build into that. I don't know. Um, uh, but those are the sorts of questions that, that, that I would ask. And, and, and maybe another question that could be is, you know, how can I involve my friends to communicate that emotion to, or to reach that emotion? Or how do I engage other players, not just the game itself, but other players to, yeah, to reach absolutely. that experience. Okay. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah. you know, I, from Frontierville 
Tim Chirville does an interesting job of requiring interaction with your friends in order to, you know, to get the things that you're that you're looking for. And it's and it's funny because you know, in order in order to bring the wife out, you need to build a general store, and in order to build a general store, you need to get building materials, which you can only get from your friends as gifts. Yeah. Right. So now here's an interesting example where it's like, yeah, you have to get help from your friends in order to 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 bring your your you know your fiance out. But what you're getting is like hammers and nails. Yeah. And that okay. doesn't that doesn't really mirror the experience to me emotionally, you know, of like yeah. I need to build a, I need to build a store. So it's it's uh, and, and I mean look, that fits into the mechanics model that they had built that fits into the engine that they built for a bunch of other things. Sure. But I think it, it leaves you open to some interesting possibilities. Like, well what else could we do? How else could you get your friends involved in wanting to plan your wedding? And I will say, you know, the um I think the very last mission you have to do in order to do that is you need ribbons from your friends, right? And yeah, so I guess, I guess they're using gifting. I mean, that's the, I guess that's the purpose of friends in their case is just providing gifts. And those gifts well, are, you know, nails or whatever else. Gifting of, is the form, I mean, that's the, that's the core interactive mechanic between friends in, in most of those sorts yeah. of Facebook games. Because they're very limited in what they can do. You know, they're not, they're, they're asynchronous games. You know, it's, it's very different from... You know, it's but, very different than MMO or whatever. Um, so you have to work with the mechanics that you've got. Well, even even following the narrative mechanic um, concept, maybe if they just had different roles for those for those other friends, you know, just mm -hmm. having different roles towards some kind of goals. So instead of providing the gifts to build that, or in, instead of providing the gifts needed for that wedding, you know, and actually playing specific roles in the wedding, I don't know if they actually have it where your friends can be the bridesmaid or all that other stuff. Maybe that would. They, it's funny. They, they don't. I was just thinking yeah. about that. And there's, there's a mechanic in Mafia Wars that's, that's a similar sort of, you know, uh, you assign someone as like your bodyguard or yeah. whatever. You know, could, could you blend those two things? Sure. Now, of course, the problem you deal with whenever you're talking about, look, this, this is a very heady and theoretical, yeah. you know, conversation, obviously. There's a cost associated to bringing that functionality into your game. Yeah. And so in a lot of cases, especially when you're dealing with commercial games, you know, you need to ask yourself, is it worth it? Is it worth the cost to put this this mechanic in? Yeah. Um, you know, I think to me, these are questions really to be asked when you're building something at the ground level. You know, if front, what's Frontierville about as a game in the broad sense? And what's the emotional experience of that? It's about crafting something out of nothing. You know, it's about yeah. it's about making your space where before there was just, um, you know, uh, uh, untamed wilderness. And and you know, I think to some extent the the initial mechanics in Frontierville, I think actually do a pretty good job of mimicking that, clearing land and um, uh, you know, trying to get established. Um, so that's really the the question is, and on a broad scope, what is your game about? And when you're designing mechanics from scratch, how do you how do you mimic that? Okay. Um, you know, as you see uh, games progressing, um, I mean, where do you see story playing? I mean, where do you see the evolution of story in games? I know you mentioned that, you know, people do want stories, but, you know, you also brought up Tetris. You look at Bejeweled. You look at a lot of these simple games that have a huge audience, you know, have been played uh, by a lot more people than some of these games that have you know, deep and intricate stories. So where's going to be that common ground where a game with story can hit mainstream? And when I say mainstream, I'm talking about 
50 or 100 million, you know, daily users or something else like that. Kind of like Farmville or something. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, well, that's a complicated question, I think. Um, I mean, maybe the story just can't be fantasy-based. Maybe it almost has to be intertwined with a person's real life. I mean, that's well, that's a scalable story because they're already interested in their own life. Yeah, I mean, I think that that becomes the, that becomes more of the sort of make your own story kind of thing. the 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 issue with a lot of this stuff is really what is your um, what's your attention window, right? I mean, a game like Fallout is great, but it's what a sixty-hour game if you're if you're quick. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I I. I I was somebody was just talking about having spent two hundred hours playing Fallout Three, and I'm like, "That's awesome!" But I don't have two hundred hours. Yeah, well, you do um, have two hundred hours for your real life, right? Like, so, so you know, you look at Facebook, right? I mean, a mm-hmm. lot of game developers are like, "Yeah, that's the ultimate game." I mean, it's it's perfect because it is about you and your friends, and you're just learning about them, and you're you know you're you're clicking likes and all these other things, and you're sharing. I mean, so. Um, so maybe that, that, that becomes a gamification question, and, yeah. and all you know, all, all of that sort of stuff, which I'm not. That's it's a little outside my uh, my area of expertise. Sure. Um, but I think that I think that it's part of the issue with Bejeweled is like the fact that you don't need a story makes it a low impact game. Um, you come in, you go, you play for as long as you got, you get out, uh, and and so on and so forth. I think that um, part of the problem is that intricate narrative storytelling as opposed to the sort of immersive storytelling that you get off of a Facebook or whatever, um, that requires a little bit more commitment. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say that. I guess that is, that's a good point. So, so really, if, as a designer, you're, if you're going to have story, you're going to have to require the player to have longer time commitments to the game. At least at this point, given current game design understanding. Um, o- over the life of the game, yes. Okay. Uh, the the real question is is how big of a chunk do players have? You know, when I go, you play a Facebook game, you play for two minutes and then you go away <laughs> and you come back later. Yeah. You know, like is a two minute chunk of time enough to tell a meaningful amount of story? Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, whereas, you know, I mean, you watch an episode of television, that basically requires a 45-minute, you know, you know, time commitment. Okay. All told. So I think that's part of the issue in terms of storytelling and and the really big mass marketing, you know, sorts of games. Okay. Um, Well, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. I just wanted to um, just discuss the narrative mechanic concept because I think it's an interesting tool. Uh, for other game developers and game designers out there who want to figure out a more compelling way to communicate certain emotions through their games. So um, if there's, are there any last words or suggestions that you have for game designers or developers that are looking to use narrative mechanics to make their games better? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, I guess what I'd say is it's a hard problem. You know, it's it's getting into it's getting into unknown territory. It's getting into things that um, 
it's very much getting into games as 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 an art form and sort of poking and prodding and seeing well what can we do with this you know we we know what we've done but what are the the new worlds out there that we're just beginning to tap um and so you know i i think to some extent it's you know i i'd say we're on the frontier and it's an exciting place to be um and you know i'd say be daring i'd say I'd say be responsible. I'd say be mature. Um, you know, it's to me, it's the difference between games being an immature art form and games being a mature art form. Um, you know, so so I guess that's what I'd say. I'd say you know, strive for that and have fun. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. So no problem. Thank you. Yep. Take care. Bye. You too.